Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is April 5th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life. Today we're talking about passion. And this will be a little bit different of a defining of passion. But let's begin with some questions to prepare ourselves. So how can you find hope in the midst of despair? Where in life did God show up for you? And then our big question of the day is how do we deal with failure and defeat in our Christian journey? Now I know those questions Good questions, but when we're talking about passion, it's easy to go, I don't get this at all. Isn't passion this emotional, uh, very hot and steamy, you know, sort of a feely, emotional kind of thing? And today we're going to talk about passion, but we're going to really tie this into purpose and then specifically, how do we deal with with defeat? How do we deal with hardship? And as we go through this, I believe you're going to see a, a new way to look at what is passion, what does passion mean? And let's go ahead and turn this and look at where we are today. This is April 5th, and we are in the middle of Passion Week. And passion Week begins on Palm Sunday and then runs till to Easter Sunday. It's the day that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. It was his last week before he was crucified and then rose again on what we celebrate Resurrection Day on Easter Sunday. And so in this historically called the Passion Week, and there's that word passion again. What does passion specifically what Jesus was about to endure, how does that have anything to do with the passion that we deal with today? And it's because, again, we we like to change definitions today. We like to make things say something that wasn't the original intention of the word. And like I said, and this is not a Webster's dictionary definition. This is just sort of a off-the-cuff, when you ask people on the street definition, what is passion, and you get this hot, steamy, emotional, feely thing that is developed to describe love, usually in a sexual context of lust or something. That's what people will give you about passion. And yet, it was Jesus' passion in a historical context that none of that is involved with. 
And so we're going to look at some scriptures and we're going to talk about this idea of how do we endure defeat? How do we endure hardship? When we're in the midst of absolute despair, depression, many people suffer depression today. When you're in this thing, where do you find hope? Where does God show up in your life? So let's look at our three scriptures from the lectionary today. Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 9. Since the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me, who will contend with me. Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord will help me. He, Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them. Now, this is a messianic word, prophecy in Isaiah. And there's many things in there that point to Jesus' suffering on the cross, Jesus, uh, the torture he endured before the cross, um, the plucking out of his beard. That is something they did. They, they beat him. They spit upon him. And here, this, this is the Lord speaking in this prophecy, saying that he didn't turn away from this. Um, you know, he, he didn't turn his back to it. He allowed him to pluck the beard. He didn't hide his face from the shame and the, the spitting. Since he set his face like flint, and flint is hard rock. I could go into some things like this, but he didn't. He didn't turn away from it. He wasn't ashamed by it. He faced it. But I want us to look at some words that he says that should help us to understand part of his passion for doing this. Notice that he says, the Lord God has opened my ear. I was not rebellious. I did not turn away. The Lord has opened his ears. What has he opened his ears to? Well, his word says, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. So here the Lord is speaking, and of course it's the Lord speaking to the Lord. So this is the Father and the Son in conversation. He says, he's given me the tongue of the learned. And we have to remember that, you know, Jesus as a man born to Mary, they, they were not rich people. They were not educated people. It was the son of a carpenter, man that works with wood in his hands. And so he didn't grow up in an educated situation but the lord god gave him the tongue the ability to speak as an educated individual that's how come when jesus was 12 and he went to the synagogues and all the teachers of the law they were amazed at what he spoke because he didn't speak as a 12 year old he spoke as a highly educated theological man 
but he was a 12-year-old kid. And so the Lord gave, the Father gave the Son the tongue of learning, or learned education. And it says that he should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. So to you who are in despair, you who are facing hardships, you who are facing defeat, the Lord has a word for you. And then he talks about the torture he didn't turn away from that he endured. And then he gets to the portion, the bottom portion of this prophecy. And he says, let us stand together. Surely the Lord God will help me. You see, suffering can come with a purpose. See, from from the scripture here, God's not hiding his role in suffering. He, He wants us to see that the Father has come to him. God has come to him in the midst of this point. He wants to show that what he chose, what he was willing to undergo, was for the glory of God, but also for our redemption. It was for the redemption of mankind. There was a reason to it. But he's also given this word to us. This is a word to us who grow weary. And that says that God's going to be with you to help you. He will be with you in the middle of this. Now let's look at our second lectionary scripture, Philippians 2, 5-11. through It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of, on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So here, God is issuing a challenge to us. And I like to, many times when I teach, I like to issue the challenges God gives us. And, and our, the challenges of that, our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. He's wanting to remind us for the necessities for unity and focusing on our attitude of being humble and of serving of genuine concern for others. Because why? That's what Jesus did. He humbled himself to serve us for the glory of God. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he's he's focused on, on what Christ did for you and I on the cross, the decision that Jesus made. That we need to open up our hearts and ask him to give us this attitude that Jesus had. So our 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 attitude should be one of just like Jesus. I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to serve. I'm going to lay down not what I want, but I'm I'm going to serve others. Now let's look at our last scripture verse, Matthew twenty six seventeen through thirty. Matthew twenty six verses seventeen through thirty. Now, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. 
So the disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening, when evening had come, they sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave it, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say to you, I do not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, I would like to continue probably reading the rest of the chapter because there's so much pertinent information. But that is the lectionary reading, and so I'm going to work with this. But it, it, it centers around the betrayal of Judas. We see the, the betrayal, the Last Supper. It continues into the garden with his prayer, with the arrest, the crucifixion, and the burial. And of Jesus' journey with us, this is the darkest hour. This is the darkest, quote, days of his earthly life. And we are witnessing the attitude, the submission that Jesus has to God's will. In true obedience, even obedience that hurts, we see Jesus humble himself before God. So here in this dark hour, when he's humbling himself, what do we see with the disciples? What do we see? What, what are, is it that the disciples are doing? They, they, they go into the Last Supper. You know, feed me, Jesus. That's what the Last Supper was about. Feed me, Jesus. Washed their feet. They went to the garden. Jesus said, "Pray with me," and they went to sleep. Think about it. Feed me. Serve me. Let me sleep. That was the action of the disciples to Jesus. Feed me, serve me, clean my feet, let me sleep. When Jesus is there and the feeding them, he was trying to tell them what was about to happen. To serve me, they should have been the ones cleaning the feet, but instead they wanted Jesus to do it. And then Jesus is asking them to sleep. This is the hour. This is the time, the darkest hour of the world. And they just want to go to sleep. Does this not sound like our world today, church? Come on. If you're a believer, look at churches. How many churches, how many times have you heard people say, I'm just not getting fed at this church? This church just doesn't want to serve me. It doesn't want to serve people. Or better yet, the church is just spiritually asleep. They haven't seen God move in so long, they would know what was happening if God did show up. I know, sometimes I have that long pause there. We, we need to ponder these things. Because 
Just like that was a, an hour of significance. That moment was a point of significance in history. And yet in the moment that they came to arrest Jesus, you see a, a fiasco happen in the garden. And it is a fiasco. Disciples wake up. They panic. Peter grabs a sword, chops off a man's ear. Ah. Oh. Jesus has to remind them that his journey is not about power, but about humility and service. They all scatter, they all run, they all flee. See, and this is when I really ask the question, how do we feel about, how do we deal with our failure and defeat in Christian journey? See, specifically, we have Peter and Judas. You know, all the disciples were asking Jesus in the portion of Scripture we read, am I the one to betray you? Am I the one to betray you? Am I the one to betray you? We've, we would continue to read the whole chapter and the rest of the other chapters. Judas betrays him. He turns Jesus over for silver. And they come and arrest him. But Peter betrays Jesus by denying him three times. Both men are racked with deep grief. They are both deeply remorseful over what they have done. You know, Jesus' words was, you know, it's better than the, a person never been born that's going to betray me. None of the disciples knew who the betrayer was at this initial point. And so Peter denied. Judas turned him over. Both men are filled with grief. Judas hangs himself. Unable to deal with what he did, being the betrayer. But Peter is, his remorse causes him to repent. And then if we continue on to after the resurrection, there's that famous point when Jesus restores Peter and he tells Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He tells him to feed his sheep, feed his lambs three times. It was a lot. We could get into all that. But what I want us to think about is to feed them. Peter has to serve. He's not feeding himself. He's feeding others. He's serving others. He has to be awake and alert. The very three things that the disciples were not on that, on that night of the Last Supper. They want to be fed. They want to be served. And then they just want to go to sleep. Christians today, we need to we need to fight this lie of feed me, serve me, let me sleep. Now I know we're going. What's this do a passion? You see, passion is what Jesus had. See, he's going in and he's going to suffer greatly. But how could he do that? He had a passion for you and I. It was his passion that gives him purpose so that when he's in those dark moments, he can overcome them. He can endure them. He can accept them with the face, face of flint as hard as a rock. Because why? He, he, he understands that's on the other side, the redemption of mankind, the glory of God. You and I must understand the glory of God and the redemption of mankind. We have to see the bigger purpose. We have to have a passion for Jesus that is beyond fleeting emotional feelings that change. I mean, I guarantee you Jesus wasn't feeling good when they beat him and they pull out his beard. But his passion drove him through that. 
And when I'm talking about passion, you and I need to have a passion for the Lord that when things go bad, when we get depressed, when things are going on like this, that we, instead of saying, feed me, Lord, serve me, Lord, let me go to sleep. Instead, we need our passion should drive us to humble ourselves before the Lord, that we want to, whatever God, whatever you want me to do, how can I serve others? How can I serve the kingdom of God? You know, I, I, there's been many talk about, you know, you, you, you have a big, you know, let me just give you like an illustration of a common theme. I don't know how to explain it other than this, but you know, uh, there was a thing about, oh, I cut myself in the cut on my hand. It really, really hurts. And so, and the more I think about it, the more it hurts. And so what I do, and someone says, well, smash your other thumb in the door or something. And, and when you do that, you'll forget you have a cut. Um, I, I know it's a weird analogy and it's not really perfect, but the idea is going, if you, if you, to quit hurting one area, you need to focus on some other point somewhere else, you know, and that idea of going, well, if I'll mash my finger, I'll forget about the cut, you know, cause my, my, cause now my, my thumb hurts. But the, the point of that is going, how many times has something bad happened to us? But if we get our mind focused on something else, we forget about the pain. And I'm not going to try to get into the quote psychology of this because one, I don't really get into psychology, but the idea is going to, if we're more focused, if we have our focus on Jesus, we have our focus on the purpose and plan of God. What has he called me to do? If my passion is driving me for that, then when I get in these dark moments, when I get depressed, if I focus on the Lord, that depression goes away. You know, there's there's a there's a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face, and the things of this world will slowly fade. They'll fade away. And and that's what's looking, that's what that's what's called passion. When we have this passion that causes a drive, a purpose in us, that there are things in life, there is depression, there's despair, there is defeat. And hardship, when those things are about us, it's the passion for God that drives us to fulfill what He's called us to do. When we keep our focus on that, those other things that are so dark fade away because we get caught up in the glory of God and what God is going to redeem me through. Oh, yes, there's suffering now, but I'm looking into the redemption, the good things that God has for us. And that brings us the joy of the Lord begins to well up in us. That becomes a strength to us because it reminds us that not all is really lost. No matter how bad things are, it's not really lost. And now these words from Isaiah about God promising to be with us in these moments. You see, God is with us in these darkest moments and if he is with us. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. In these moments when despair grabs us, if we remember that Jesus Christ walks with us. And if we would put our passion towards him, humbling ourselves to serve him, to serve others, to fulfill those things, the things that depress us, the, the, the hurt from defeat, the, those things, they, they begin to fade away because God is there and we see a bigger picture. There's a bigger purpose. There's, there's victory on the other side. And it causes us to overcome suffering. More than just enduring, we can now overcome it because there's a hope that comes from walking with the Lord.
and having passion with the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those listening today that, Lord, you'd help us to develop a passion for you, God. A passion that we want to humble ourselves, to serve you, to obey you, God, to to follow into the greater things that you have for us, our redemption, God, your glory, God. Father, I pray that those who suffer depression, God, who are living in despair, God, that, Father, that you would comfort them with your presence, that they would know that you are their God, and that, Father, that they would be reminded of their purpose, their calling that you've placed on them, and that, Father, that they would begin to serve, even in the midst of pain and serving, they begin to serve others. They begin to serve you, God, and as they do that, the Father, that you'd free them from the despair, God, that, Lord, that it would begin to, to fade away. And that, Lord, it may not be gone, but it no longer is master of them, God, that they'd begin to see your light. Father, I thank you, God, that you're going to help us overcome dark times, God. I believe our, our country is entering into a dark period, and, Lord, you've called us as believers, as Christians, to shine your light into the world, God. Lord, again, fill us with this type of passion, God, to be overcomers, God. And we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this podcast, for this teaching, for these words. You can check out more on our website, www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. (laughs) 